As one of Australia's foremost arts publicists, Alison has been instrumental in promoting some of the world's most prestigious artists, festivals and shows. And now in her third act of life, she's working for herself and choosing purpose-led, heart-centred projects and copywriting enables her to achieve that. Hello, I'm Bernadette Schwert and this is the podcast for those looking to reinvent their lives as a copywriter and want some inspiration and practical tips on how to do it. If you'd like to learn more about how to get started as a copywriter, check out copyclub.com.au and discover the practical tips and hints you need to find your first copywriting job. And if you like our podcasts, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Alison Dunn, I'm so pleased to have you on my podcast. I'm so excited because you are one of my star students and I'm so excited to hear the stories that have occurred as a result of some of the education that you've undertaken with me. So firstly, let's just talk a bit about you. You are an arts publicist, um, work with people like Nicole Kidman, uh, Baz Luhrmann, Jeffrey Rush, Neil Armfield, uh, and a whole range of other people. And I'm just wondering, how does this how do you come to be where you are today? You know, why copywriting and how did that work as a publicist sort of influence you to become a copywriter? Well, I think, Bernadette, I had always been doing it. I had always been working with people and the more senior I got and the bigger the teams I ran and the bigger the processes and the bigger the budgets and events and venues that I worked in, because um, I've worked at the Opera House as well and places like that, that the further away I got from the hands-on part. And so I really wanted to get back to that copywriting part because, and the reason why I studied was because I could tell it wasn't working I knew stuff that people was producing wasn't working. I suspected I could probably do it better myself, but I didn't know why. It's like learning a language without knowing the grammar rules. So I really wanted to understand the rules and the form, you know, and that's what I loved learning, how those rules work. And the creativity and the ideas were not the problem for me. It was the structure, which I would somehow accidentally get right, but not always. So that's why I wanted to go back to that. And what did the course teach you? It gave me all those rules and structures and formulas and all the um, things to hang on to when you have a million ideas. I think that the really great thing about the course is if if you're a person who has trouble generating ideas, it shows you how to do that. If you're the opposite and you have so many ideas, you can't, you're trying to fit 15 into one sentence, it it helps you to um, deal with that and just keep going till you actually refine and refine and refine. And that's one of the things that I've really enjoyed. It's like the puzzle and the discipline. You've got this many characters. That's all you've got, you know, so you can't wrap it on. And, and I think in the, in the culture sphere, it's very, it's a, that's a big problem. We always want to write 1,500 words of copy when 300 will do. Um, so that's a, it's, a, it's sort of endemic. And it, put, it doesn't put people off, but it, it's, um, it's a challenge. I think it's interesting what you've just sort of touched on there, Alison, that you've been writing for a long time and yet maybe your perception was that you weren't a copywriter. So talk to me a little bit about how that recognition and realisation came to you. Uh, Well, it it was a gradual dawning and I think all my career I've told stories. Um, I've come from the theatre and that's a very storytelling environment and then understanding 
how to write for all sorts of things. But I never thought of it as being a copywriter. And even to this day, I have to remind myself that's what you're actually doing here. Because in arts and culture and education in particular, you have to be a jack of all trades. So you have to understand all those things. And in this third act of my career, when I've stepped away from, you know, the big jobs and doing all that, I'm going, what do I actually love the most? And it's always been this part of it. It's always been my where I'm the most natural it's it's always been the most fun and so that's what made me go and in the very first course I did I was in a really tricky situation and I wasn't loving life at work and then I thought well if I do this I can write what a bloomin' will want want and no one is there to you know critique me or tell me it's good or bad I can do what I like so it's that sense of control um, and then I took the plunge and went yeah this is what I'm going to do full time I mean there was nothing um to say that that was going to work and jury's still out. But I just thought, no, I'm going with what my heart tells me to do. Um, And that is to stick with the bit, the writing part was the most important part. But, yes, I never would have called myself a copywriter in spite of writing, you know, artistic director's program messages and bios for the last 20 years. I've been writing actors' bios and CEOs' bios, speeches, brochures, websites, you know, I've never had reports. I've never had a job where I haven't had to write constantly and yet I never would have called myself a copywriter. Isn't that interesting? And now that you do, and I hope you do, consider yourself a copywriter, what freedom yeah. does that give you? How, how has that changed your identity? It's made me more visible. It's made me think about what's important to me and why and it's made me I think if you're a person with curly hair as I am you want to straighten your hair or you get told to straighten your hair or you or natural hair is bad and so you don't value curly hair and everyone goes oh I wish I had curly hair and that's for me with writing I've always been able to do it I've always been able to turn my hand to any kind of it. And so I didn't value it because I've always been able to do it. And so actually putting a name on it and saying, I am now a copywriter has made me value my skills, practice my skills, learn and do the education and come to everything with a beginner's mindset, even though I've been doing it for a long time. So I really feel like I'm starting right now, not, not you know, um, but the fact that I've been doing it all this time, I would really encourage other people to 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 look at that in their lives. I think anybody who's who signs up for anything with copywriting in the title, I reckon nine point nine ten out of ten, they're actually already doing it. They just haven't called themselves that. It's so true, Alison. You know, obviously I teach literally thousands of students and when I talk to them individually about what are you doing right now, they'll say, oh, I'm working for an NDIS organisation and I'm writing, you know, some brochures and emailers but um, I'm not really a copywriter. It's like, I think you are, you know, and suddenly when I give them that, not permission because they, they don't need it from me, but that, that recognition that what you've been doing actually is copy and also all the things you have been doing can be used in your portfolio. You know, suddenly they go, wow. And it's about confidence, isn't it? Because one of the things I, I find a lot is the imposter syndrome about people's belief that they can't do it, you know, don't have the experience, don't have the knowledge, don't have the background. But what would you say to that? Is it just a matter of just jumping in and having a go? 
I think it's definitely a matter of jumping in and having a go. I, I would encourage people to study. I would encourage people to practice and, you know, on things that don't matter and, and learn the formulas and all that sort of stuff because that's kind of not difficult, but it's the game changer. It's it's the game changer. Uh, it just saves you so much time. And I think for the imposter syndrome, look, that's a big thing for women in particular. Women over the age of 40, doubly so because you're dealing with that disappearance kind of aspect of life as well. You tend to disappear from consciousness. Um, and I think, yeah, it's really important for people to just understand that they can do it and give it a red hot crack and, and, and not be afraid to learn about it as they go along. That's the main thing that I yes. – in, in, and it is confidence. And it's more than that. It's a belief that you um, – and the other thing I would say about all of that is that don't look too wide. You know, put your blinkers on because there's a thousand squillion million people out there already doing it. And so who are you? Who am I to be doing this? Who am I to be doing that? Well, everybody, you know, there's someone out there who I'm going to resonate with. It's not going to be everybody. It's going to be that client, that person that I am the right person for. And that could be anything from, and it is in my world right now, anything from a real estate person to a disability person to an orchestra. That's who I'm working with right now. And and the, and the, what those people all have in common is that their um, approach to life and their work matches mine. And that's actually the most important thing for me. And that's my whole business. See how I hesitated on that word, but business um, <laughs> um, is predicated on. I've given myself a vision and that's my vision. I want to do good work with good people doing good things in the world. That's it. That's it. Great vision. Great vision. And I think you've touched on something interesting there too because a lot of students think they've got to have this amazing website and this incredible presence and, you know, thousands of subscribers. And the reality is you just need to know a few people, you know, in your world who want to do some who get some copy done so what I'm trying to say is you don't need to have thousands of clients you need a couple and often those people will be in your immediate circle or the next circle out just through word of mouth and just people knowing what you do now because most people don't know how to find a copywriter and even if they do and they see it a website they're not that prepared to use that person because they don't know them you know there's no connection it's just this sort of you know static image but when they know someone even if they don't know their capability they're more likely to give them a go because they're just buying the person. So I think that's kind of what you're saying too, isn't it, mm. that you're just trying to I definitely are. Small. And I think it's um, what I did was make a mosaic as well. What, what's the mosaic look like? Oh, okay. So what I did was I made a mosaic and I thought, okay, I need this kind of thing to just keep the wolf from the door. I need... I worked out I can do um, – I was asked to do a strategic project, um, a very, you know, brainiac project that doesn't involve – and has involved a, a copywriting in the end, um, but didn't start out like that. And, um, and that was – it's a wonderful project where I'm – it's confidential, but I'm working with people to re-envision an organisation and that's the sort of stuff I really love doing, um, but I don't have to implement it which is really great um, and I'm very happy about that. And so I thought, well, I, and but I noticed how much energy that was taking. So I went, okay, well, I, you can do two of those. That's it. 
And then the rest of it can be medium level energy. And then the others will be all fun and fizz that you can easily do. So I, I worked out how many of those, you know, and they're not so much hierarchy. They're just different ways of using my brain and my energy. They all involve writing. They all involve copywriting. But they they have different levels of um, thought processes. So that's what I did. I worked out. I can't. I don't want to set up an agency. I'm not out to do an empire. I'm in. I'm creating a third act for my life, which means that I can travel and work. And you know, I, I don't want to work for the man anymore. You know, I just don't want to. You know. And I use this great um, methodology that my one of my meditation teachers taught me, which is the contrast method, where we imagine what we don't want and then what is the opposite of that. So I don't want the office politics. I don't want the waste of time. I don't want all those things. And and in one of your courses that you said, um, you know, write all that down because when there are challenging days and you're still at the desk at 11 o'clock at night, you're going to need to remember that. And I've already, that's already happened to me. When I'm worrying, I'm never going to get another gig, you know, all that stuff. I just go, no, no, no. Remember, you didn't want to, you, you don't want to do that anymore. You, so this is the price of that. That's and it. what are you willing to give up? That's the other thing that I loved from that course. Yes. Just, just for people listening, it's what I was saying was if you want something, there's, there's a cost for it. You know, and when you see people succeeding, all you see is the success. You don't see the effort behind that. And I think that gets overshadowed a lot. And I, I'm very big on letting people know there is work involved and there will be stumbles and hiccups. But if you are prepared for that and you expect it, um, then you know it's not about you. It's just standard, you know, and then you've got to be prepared to put up with a little bit of that to get the gold. But if you, keep, if you hold on to that vision, of, for you it might be the travelling, you know, it, it, the holiday home in South Australia and all the things that you, you love to do, you know, if you hold on to that, then these little hiccups can seem a little bit insignificant. But I want to talk about um, you know, th- something you've also touched on, which was even though you, you're now a copywriter, the, the principles of copywriting can be used in so many ways. You know, it's not just about writing ads because people think it's hardcore sales. It doesn't have to be. It's just about persuasion, isn't it? So maybe just mm-hmm. talk to us about, you know, some of the the insights you've had about how copy's been useful in terms of creating other content that's not necessarily, you know, copy. I think it's almost never about sales. Um, it's almost never about that. And, then it, you know, and especially in the current landscape, the more you um, – and it's really come full circle when I started my career as a publicist you would spend two days writing a press release and it was one page because that was the thing that expressed the um, and I worked in theatre so that was this thing that expressed the show properly and it was poured over with every word and then because that was the creative rationale for what you're doing Um, and so it's all just different languages and structures but now I think you almost never are going to be writing a newspaper ad like we used to. You're just almost never going to be doing that because, and that is brilliant for copywriters. And it's, I found that so liberating because I've actually been doing that my whole career. And now the channels have caught up with what I like to do, which is I want to tell stories for purpose. That's my shtick, you know. I'm so, and, and particularly that's been helpful for me because I've been involved in complex um, things. So you need to be able to distill that story down, you know, why 
is SA Water building a dam in this place? Why is the creek running green? And that's not necessarily a reason to panic. Well, there's a story behind that, you know. Um, And that was really honestly the stories in that organisation, in that engineering organisation were amazing. I wrote a CD, a script for a CD about sewerage, <laughs> but it was fascinating and, and and I'm a sticky beak. So, that's one of the things that's a huge benefit to um, copywriting is that you get to sticky beak around stuff and just go, oh, I wonder how that works. And you have know? permission to do so. And you have permission and you ask lots of questions and, and that's really, really fun. But I think just going back to what you're asking, you're almost never doing sales, but you're telling a story for purpose. So, what is that purpose? And if someone understands a bit more about why this Baroque music is so amazing, why listening to this horn concerto, you're actually listening to an instrument which is like so complex that that person is making music out of the equivalent of a garden hose, you know, because there's no valves in it. They're doing it all with their body. It's incredible. And so that's a little bit different to saying to someone, oh, it's the Haydn, but da 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 da. Because the person who's playing the Haydn, but da da da, they know everything about that. But Joe and Joe S. Punter are going to listen to that music differently if they understand the sheer physical virtuosity of being able to produce a true note with nothing to help you. Yeah. Well you know, said. those are the and and that's that's what I love and and I've been so fortunate because um, even when you know the show or the thing or the campaign or whatever it is is not great, um, you can always tell when you're on something that's just going to be you know you get that feeling. I always find a point of attachment to every project. And every person I'm working with. Because if we can't do that as storytellers and copywriters, then we're not going to produce good work. And so you know, that's why it all circles back to resonance. And you know, with copywriting, it's the same. You're going to get projects and clients and products that you don't love that aren't the best in the market, but you've got to find something within that that you think is interesting. And and I've always maintained that because a bit like you, Alison, I can find curiosity in anything. You know, and there's a world behind everything. And I think this is the joy of copywriting because you don't judge. I'll give you a quick example. I was renovating no. my home and I had to buy some handles for the doors. I've never bought a handle before. It's just a handle. You know, I never even looked at the handles. And then suddenly I'm, you know, emerged or merging into this world of handles. So I go to the hardware store and they've got these big books of handles, you know, like beautiful merchandise, cardboard you know, sort of packaging and you open up this massive sort of like a big fairy tale book and there's all these handles embedded and these big thick pages and there's like wow. literally hundreds of pages of these handles and all the, be- the features and the benefits and the dimensions. And I'm looking at this guy, I had no idea the world of handles. And then, but I was thinking from a copywriting perspective, I thought if I was writing copy, I would need to know all this. I need to know that this, you know, dimension means this and this button means that and this metal means this. And I think that's what's fun about copywriting, isn't it, that you are exposed to a world that you have no knowledge of and suddenly you are an expert. And and the world of acronyms, I'm waging a one-woman war against acronyms. And um, so um, in my disability organisation that I'm working with at the moment, the only acronym I will allow is NDIS because most people know what that is. Um, and then um, hilariously, sometimes the acronyms in my culture world and my disability world are the same. So they're the same letters, um, but they're talking about completely different things. And I think when you're the bridge, which copywriting is a bridge between expert knowledge and people in the next circle out, whatever that circle is. And and so 
you know, acronyms are the enemy of that. Yeah. The enemy I'll give you a funny story. I've got a software business and uh, I didn't actually think too hard about the name and I had to register it quite quickly. Um, and I called it, and I'll just leave you to put your imagination <laughs> together, Synthetic Training Data. <laughs> I am not kidding. <laughs> That's I, hilarious. I so wish I was kidding because it's the sort of thing I say about, you know, when you're naming companies, you've got to be really careful. You know, don't name it after yeah. a street, don't name it after a person, don't name it after yeah, yeah. a product because it's too limiting. You have a tagline that says STD, it's catching. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know whether to just ditch it and start again. But anyway. Oh, bloody hell. I really want to talk about I can't believe I did that. And I, I didn't even recognize it. But anyway, we'll move on. I really want to hear about you've had a big success story and you haven't been doing copywriting very long. And yet you had a big no. $1,000 LinkedIn win through LinkedIn. Yeah. But talk to me I about did. that because that's very exciting so, for you listening. It was really exciting. So the, the, the keys to that is um, I decided that um, I was going to get visible. And so I started to, and, and not because I wanted to big note myself, but because I was really irritated by that hysterical tone on LinkedIn where you are either bragging about your latest success or, and no one has a failure story without a massive redemption. So it's not very truthful. And that was really pissing me off. So I decided I was going to get in there and I was being stalked by people from my previous organization wanting to know what I was doing. So I just decided to get really active and I made some really good friends and I I got involved with um, this woman who's doing personal branding. I just followed her staff and just really started getting active and commenting and then getting braver and braver and stuff starting to write stuff and then I saw some things that um, some uh, people I'd worked with years ago were doing and I just I, I in effect promoted them not because I had any ulterior motive at all and I think if I had had an ulterior motive this would not have worked but because I genuinely love what they do and thought that what they had produced was amazing and I wanted more people to see it and I um, so I and then I got a couple of messages and then and I just generally was out there in the world doing stuff, went to some webinars, had some really great training, um, which, and the training was great because it just went, yes, you're a little bit eccentric, but that's okay. Just you be you. Don't worry about the rest of it. Just be you. And so I did. And then out of the blue, I was literally driving along and I got this frantic phone call and I was out of the state. I had just been to see my elderly uncle. So I'm outside his house doing the the, the pitch conversation. Yes, I can help you. And, and this person was really, really, you know, desperate. Um, and then I went home and I, uh, that night, and instead of, um, and this was the price, instead of having a glass of wine and walking on the beach, I sat down and did my pitch proposal so that I had it in when I said I would get it into them and and I, and I missed out you know on that experience but I I got the gig and the best part about putting that proposal together was having done the business of copywriting course I went about that in a completely different way so I I gave people um and and I was very detached so Instead of just old me, we've just gone, yes, I will do everything for you. I will solve all your problems. I will fix everything. Just just lay it all on my shoulders and I'll charge you $3.50. I, I, um, I broke it into sections. 
and I worked out how much time it would take and how much brain power it would take. And then for the bigger brain power, I charged more. And for the smaller rats and mice, um, I charged less, but it was more of a you know, retainer system. So what that did was it broke the whole project up into small, medium and and really huge components. And then they've, of course, worked out that they couldn't afford all of that. And then they picked it off the shelf, the bits they wanted. And magically, that was exactly the bits that I wanted to do that were right in my comfort zone. I don't necessarily want to be updating their media spreadsheet. They can do that themselves. You know, it's a waste of their money and time for me to do that. Um, And so that was like it all came together in this one perfect storm. But the key things were the relationship was genuine, been going for a long time. I wasn't directing my visibility at anyone in particular, but I stepped out of the shadows and made myself visible. So therefore, I came to that person's attention. I made a good business proposal and I was timely in my response. So that's what made it all come together. Those were the elements that came together. And, and I was just beyond excited. I was so <laughs> excited that it happened. And what a great result, you know, and it's all the training that you put in place. And also you went out and got that LinkedIn training, you know, and you made an effort. And also, even though you may not be LinkedIn expert, the fact that you're just doing incremental things and that built up your confidence and that enabled you to then start, you know, feeling more able to um, to project, you know, exactly what you're looking for. So I think just in wrapping up, Alison, you've... Um, done a number of courses with me now and if you were to say to somebody or somebody was to say to you you know should I investigate copywriting and what would I get from it what would you say copywriting's done for you it's given me structure and I was a person who really needed structure um, and it's given me um, a really great container for for my skills and it's given me the confidence and ability to be able to explain to people who I am and what I do and how that works and it's given me a lot of great um analogies to be able to do that um so I'd be able to say to people you know every the back of your shampoo bottle that's copy the you know every label in the supermarket that's copy someone has written that They've written it badly, they've written it well, they've written it by accident, but someone has written that and that could be you if that's what you want. And it's a lifestyle choice for me as well. Um, And it gives me – and for people who are considering it, not everyone is going to step off the edge straight away. It's a great side hustle. Um, For people, I'm sure that that's a really good way of earning a living, you know, getting a side hustle going while they make up their mind. I think it's a fantastic thing to do if you've got expert knowledge like I was not someone I studied with but someone who was one of your students who's a science writer and I'm going, wow, that person knows all about, um, you know, citations and how to do all that stuff and write science well. That's amazing. And I also think that um, – one of the things I resisted was going back into the field that I originally came from because I just didn't – I thought I didn't want to do that. But when it circled back to me, I was overjoyed to go back to it. So it's just um, – that's why I would suggest studying because studying makes you or helps you to clarify all of that and work out where you're going and what you're doing. And best of all, it's the discipline. 
of doing it every week, of getting your homework in every week, of getting the feedback, of um, listening to what other people have to say, to understanding other people's perspectives on the same piece of copy. It's 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 just been revelatory, and I I would encourage anyone who's been, especially people in comms and marketing who already think they know how to do this stuff. You know, you you probably do. But there's always things you can learn to do better, and it's like it's like training going back to step one, which and that's what I have absolutely um, loved about it. And it's permission and confidence to use both parts of your brain, so your creative stuff and your planning and your strategic stuff. And people will have different mixes of those. And so that's why I think study is really important because it evenly takes you across from all of those things and it helps you focus. Because I've always wanted to do this. I have always wanted to, to do this and I've not done it till now and study has been the key. Well, that is a, a wonderful note to leave on, Alison. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and your knowledge and your wisdom. I, I, it's been a joy to work with you and I know we will continue to work together. All the best. Thank you very much. What I love about Alison's story is that she demonstrates that nothing we do is ever wasted and that everything we've done in the past can be valuable in the future. And for many of you listening, maybe copywriting is something you've been doing all along as well, but maybe you just didn't know it was copywriting. This reframing of past experiences helps us recognise perhaps we're more experienced than we think, that we're better than we think, that we've done this before, so there's no reason why we can't do it in the future. My inspirational tip of the day, the past is a place of reference, not a place of residence. And my writing tip of the day, when proofing a document, try and print it out. I found it's almost impossible to proof something from the computer screen. Trust me on that. And my joke of the day, my pet mouse Elvis died today. He was caught in a trap. If you'd like to learn more about our copywriting courses, you can visit writercenter.com.au or copyschool.com and see what course is best for you. Connect with me on LinkedIn if you'd like to hear more inspirational stories like this one from Alison Dunn. I'm Bernadette Schwert. All the best. Take care and bye-bye.